Hi everyone, welcome to Outgrow's Market of the Month. I'm your host, Dr. Saksham Sharda. I'm the creative director at outgrow.co. And for this month, we are going to interview Alex Merutka, who is the CEO and founder at Craftsman Plus. Thanks for joining us, Alex. Yeah, thanks for having me. So we're going to start with a rapid fire round just to break the ice. Try to keep your answers to one word or one sentence only, okay? Sounds good. All right. So the first question is, how long does it take you to get ready in the mornings? Uh, about two minutes. <laughs> okay. Pick one, Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey? Um, Zuck. Uh-huh. The first movie that comes to your mind when I say the word ambition? Um, the Matrix. Okay. Okay. The biggest mistake of your career? Hmm. Um, probably not investing in a few companies that I probably should have, and <laughs> not fire, not not um, not letting go of people um, when there's that thought in my mind. Ah, oh, well, yeah, we're all guilty of that, <laughs> and I hope you didn't mean GameStop. <laughs> Anywho, uh, how do you hmm. relax? Um, I meditate. Okay. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? Zero. Okay. A habit of yours that you really hate? Grinding my teeth. Oh, <laughs> my dad does that all the time. Okay. Uh, the most valuable skill you've learned in life? Um, just to the way, like, the way you perceive the world um, and how you can do that to affect your attitude and your mood. Mm-hmm. The most valuable. Oh, okay, I literally just said that. Oh, fill in the blank. An upcoming marketing trend is blank. Um, user-generated content. Mm-hmm. And the final question is your favorite Netflix show. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I was just talking about. Um, I was just talking about one this morning. And I am forgetting it, so it can't be that. <laughs> but um, I like The Last Kingdom on Netflix. Well, which one again? The Last Kingdom. Oh, The Last Kingdom. Okay. Well, that's the end of the rapid fire round. Uh, you scored 100 upon 100. <laughs> so now we're going to go on to the bigger questions. The first one is, uh, tell us about how Craftsman Plus happened. And what do you hope for your company to achieve, say, in the next five years? Yeah, um, I was working at a startup called AppLovin, and um, I was running the programmatic business for them. And the company was, you know, running a um, billion dollars of ad spend through the platform. And I guess just seeing the trends of how ads were changing from, you know, especially on mobile devices, from static uh, creative to more engaging um, platforms and, and channels such as video. And even furthermore, uh, this recent trend of interactive ads. So, you know, a lot of our partners were in the gaming world and worked a lot of the mobile game developers and seeing how there's a few companies out there that were tinkering with uh, playable interactive ads. So actually being able to um, demo something before you download it. And um, this concept was pretty interesting to me. Uh, a few of the early companies were kind of struggling and as phone devices got uh, the technology and phone devices got better and with the release of, of 5G now, it seemed like this uh, this trend had a lot of room to grow, especially with 
gaming companies coming out with AR games like Pokemon Go, more interactivity seemed to be the trend. And so I saw a, um, uh, I, I saw this trend and you know, wanted to find a way of you know, how can I get this in the hands of more gaming companies. And as brands decide to get into um, more gamified ads, wanted to build a, um, a gaming software um, interactive platform that allowed brands to build their own interactive ad units. Um, where do I see us going in the next five years? Um, continuing down that mission, potentially doing um, more like AI components on the ads. So with the new releases of analytics on you know platforms, um, Facebook, Google, Snapchat, uh, you know, passing more data signals back on what's working, what's not on on creative units. Um, being able to actually optimize these interactive ads in real time, and since they're all code based. Um, it makes it a little bit easier to swap in and out assets uh, within that those those HTML5 ads. So where I see it going is building an AI component, building one um, one playable concept or interactive concept for a brand, and then allowing um, these ads to be uh, changed based on performance and edited and optimized based on what uh, what the big machines are, are telling them what's working, what's not. Oh, there's a lot to unpack there. I have a lot of follow-ups. Uh, what did you mean yeah. by downloading something without downloading? And the second thing is, what do you think of, because uh, you said everything is moving towards interactive. What did you think of Netflix's Bandersnatch, because that interactive movie? Yeah. <laughs> yep, so we basically built our ad platform off of Bandersnatch. I say, bring it up in every meeting when I say, when I explain the company, and I, I mentioned, you know, have you ever seen Bandersnatch? And essentially taking video clips, and that's what our software does, it takes existing assets and in Bandersnatch case video clips and stitches them together based on user agency. So if you're, you know, Call of Duty and you're running an, an ad, instead of just running one video with, you know, shot scenes of sniper rifle, bazooka, shotgun, assault rifle, you could just have a um, an ad that says, hey, user, now you can play Call of Duty now on your phone. Um, what player type are you? Are you more of a sniper or a shotgun type user? And then based on the user's choice, serve them video content based on um, their, their own interests. So kind of personalizing ad creative based on user agency. And especially with, you know, these data privacy policies coming in from Apple and Google and, you know, some of these companies following suit. And it makes sense just to give the users instead of trying to target them perfectly. You can never target someone perfectly. There's always going to be some sort of unknown factor of decision making that the user is going to make in that moment and why not just give people the choice to pick what they want so our platform is essentially bandersnatch for an ad platform um so i i really enjoyed the film and it's helped my business grow a lot just from a, an example and a, a relating to it and what i meant about um play before you download is you can watch a video of um, you can see everyone knows candy crush you can see a static ad that says download candy crush you can watch a video of someone else playing Candy Crush, um, but what if you could actually play Candy Crush in the ad itself so that you personally get an idea of what a match three game mechanic looks like? And it's kind of like when you buy a car, you can see a car in a magazine, you can watch a car drive around in the desert on the Super Bowl ad, um, but you know the, when you buy the cars, when you actually sit in and drive around the block and then you feel, you get a feel for it, you like it, you purchase. So what we've noticed is if we can get users to experience brands products and whether it's a gaming company and you front load the game mechanic on the ad or it's a brand and you're saying hey instead of having a video that drives to a website why don't we try to um, shorten the funnel post click by front loading the user experience on the ad itself 
getting them through the funnel further on the actual ad itself so that when they do click, post-click conversion rates skyrocket because they're already pre-qualified. But these wouldn't, I guess, be in-stream ads because I guess, can Instagram support, like if I'm going down my Instagram feed, because I've seen these ads, right? Well, not the interactive ones. I've seen like, you know, these gaming ads, but it's usually someone playing. But is it possible for you to play on while you're scrolling down Instagram? Is that an inbuilt functionality that we're looking at in the future or is it already there? It's already there for Facebook feed and Facebook audience network. Um, it's coming to Instagram soon. Okay. Okay, so with okay, so then diverting to another question, then with the pandemic, everything has shifted online, and the you know the video industry specifically is changing the game. How do you think this particular industry will expand in the coming years? I mean, everything's pointing towards gaming, um, which has been awesome for us and, and my previous company. Uh, uh, as as more users spend time on games, um, as more people adopt gaming, as games get better, as games become more educational, there's a lot of um, even social impact with gaming now and how to you know change the world through gaming and make the, um, the world a better place and more case studies coming out and research showing that gaming is actually helping with you know child development, brain development, um, relieve, releasing stress is a big factor lately and a big focus for the gaming industry. I think a lot of like with the natural shift of COVID and, and people focusing more on gaming, gaming industry has seen a huge spike and boom from, from COVID and folks being at home more, playing games on their phone. I think more and more brands will, will follow suit. And you already are seeing, you know, Travis Scott doing a concert in Fortnite. You already see different types of industries trying to get involved with gaming. Um, we're seeing a huge spike increase from all brands um, looking at how to gamify their product offering and how to make it more fun, how to make it engaging, and realizing that, you know, the gaming audience isn't just a bunch of nerds sitting in a basement eating, you know, bagel bites anymore. Like, that, that's that's not what gaming is today. Um, it's a misconception. And it's clearly showing now that there's a, that the most people's audiences are some are somewhere they're going to be on a game somewhere. So uh, I think brands are, are recognizing that and starting to take notice. And I think these gaming companies are well-positioned and um, historically have been undervalued for what they have to offer the industry. And now they're starting to get that recognition as are we. And where do you think the future of gaming itself is headed? Because I completely get to, because even I play at least every day just to de-stress from work. I play an hour of Heroes of the Storm, which is a Blizzard game. I don't know whether you heard of it. And it is really like, you know, frustration yeah. relieving in a sense. But I also, I'm a big gamer and I bought the Oculus Rift, which came out last year oculus quest 2 sorry and but i've only played it like for a month and now it just lies in the corner and i i don't think virtual reality is there yet or maybe it's not as comfortable to play virtual games as it is to just like you know play on your laptop what do you think yeah i think i think any of those like bigger type of production units like an oculus where you're like immersed in experiences is a, a fun thing to have and it's kind of like it's kind of like having a jet ski where, you know, you have, like, once you own a jet ski and you, you're riding around and been on it, you know, it's, it's fun for 10, 15 minutes, um, but you don't want to be on your, like, most people I know at least don't want to be on their jet ski every single day. And, you know, they much rather be on a comfortable sitting on a boat, relaxing, or, you know, just chilling at their house. It's a little bit different. So I feel like these, um, like, uh, virtual reality um, devices are, are awesome. I think a lot of people will engage with them and I have a few friends that you know play to do you know their kind of cardio work or hand-eye coordination and they're doing it you know maybe a half hour a day 
I, I don't see it as a as a platform right now, at least that's going to you know get someone to uh, engage the way that like World of Warcraft used to do back in the day, or still does now, and some of these games that are on, on PCs and console games that can kind of get you into um, a, a gaming rift for a bit. And I also just think with with mobile um, for like casual players or even myself, I used to you know play a little bit of Xbox here and there, and now my Xbox has been sitting um, in my closet for years. And if I do play a game, it's just easier for me to um, to open up my phone and access it that way. And so I've seen my my gaming behaviors have shifted more to mobile. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Uh, pivoting once again, uh, you have some big names in your bucket of clients like Nike, ABC. What do you think you did right with your product itself and in your marketing campaigns to land all of this? Um, yeah, definitely persistency and just reaching out and staying relevant with these folks. Um, I, I think our partnerships with the Facebook and Google team are a big part of our success. So, you know, working with the largest platforms, most of our advertisers spend 70 to 80% of their budget or the digital budget on Facebook and Google. And so when we started building the company, that was kind of our, our first uh, area to crack is how do we make ads better on Facebook and Google? And so when we reached out to Facebook and Google and say, we're on this mission to make ads um, perform better on your platforms. Do you guys want to have a conversation about this? Here's kind of our idea of where we're headed. Um, they welcome the idea. You know, anyone who's challenging the way ads are being built and, you know, having a, a promise to, hey, what if we could take the video format and make it more engaging? I mean, video has been the dominant format in the mobile space for the last, you know, 10 years. Um, and it's clearly been the winner and trying to challenge that concept, whoever can crack that and make um, a different ad unit perform better in the same ad space, right? Facebook's newsfeed, you can serve a static ad, a video ad, um, or an interactive ad. It's the same level of ad space that you're getting on that platform. You know, if you can monetize that space better and more efficiently, then of course you're going to want to do it. So when we told Facebook and Google our mission and they said, yeah, we want to help you with it. You know, what do you need from us? Getting product support from their team was big but also their interests. I mean, most of our clients, we don't have a sales team. There's no one on the, there's no one in the business um, that's doing outbound re, uh, sales outreach. It's all coming from word of mouth, from friends in the industry or from our Facebook and Google partners. That's amazing. I also heard how YouTube is actively investing in uh, interactive videos. Like that's the big new thing. So I guess you're just going in with the trend. That's quite nice. So could you give us an example of an interactive advertisement that you guys have made for a client that it has done really well? Um, yeah, we just did one. You mentioned ABC. Um, so for ABC, um, uh, like sweepstakes, uh, we did one where you are um, running around a mall or a grocery store with a shopping cart and you're um, you know, kind of like the, the old... Um, from the old TV series of running around and, and trying to collect as many items in the cart for the highest score um, in the shopping cart. So like recreating that experience and in a gamified like 8-bit type of gaming um, uh, look and feel and running around the store and driving folks to, you know, check out this new show um, that was being offered by ABC. Uh, it was a quick turnaround time. Team worked really hard. The ABC team was great um, to work with and, and share ideas and bounce things off of and just kind of challenging, you know, what is really capable in these, these ad units because there, there is um, 
there is some things that hold these units back, such as file size. And so trying to figure out the most interactive, engaging way you can, um, you can host this experience, but also confined to a certain amount of megabytes, uh, depending on what platform you're running. And is there somewhere, somewhere the audience can, as in our podcast audience, can go and check out this ad? Is it like available online somewhere? Um, it may be on ABC site. I would have to get back to you on that if there's a if there's a place they can do it. Um, usually going on um, Facebook's library, their ad library, uh, you can see these types of ads. The issue is Facebook hasn't updated it, so you can see the interactive units. You can only see typically um, videos and, and static units. Um, but I, I would have to get back to you on that if, if there's a place that they're hosting this. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes for everyone who's listening uh, to check out the ABC ad. That's really great. So when one uh, is, because usually because Outgrow is also an interactive content making software, and usually when people use our interactive content and their audience uses it, there's a lot of data that the marketing data that the, uh, you know, the company that is running the ad is gathering based on how people are, you know, going through that interactive ad. So what do you think about that side of uh, the ads that you're making for ABC and Nike, etc.? Yeah, do, do you mind? I, I feel like you actually cut out for a second. Do you mind repeating that? Oh, well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was literally, I thought it was. So Outgrow is also an interactive content making agency. So uh, the company I work for. And uh, usually when someone takes an interactive content piece, like a quiz or a calculator or even Bandersnatch, for instance, when one watches Bandersnatch, one is making certain decisions, which I assume in your ads, they're making those decisions. So data is being, marketing data is being collected by the person who's running the ad. How are you using that marketing data to optimize the yeah. ads? What is the purpose of that? Yep, so um, a lot of the times when we work with folks, we aren't actually running the media. We are just the creative software that kind of fuels the, um, the creativity in the ad unit. And so typically our, our process is we work with someone, um, we work with a brand, we build this interactive unit, we share it with the brand, and then they will um, run the actual ad on, on Facebook and Google. Um, historically, uh, these platforms have not shared um, data back. So it's kind of, you know, you're running blind a little bit on the ad unit for at least mm -hmm. on ad analytics. Um, as of lately, more and more platforms and um, inventory sources are open to passing back this data and creating a structure where you, know, you can pull in from an API you know, what's actually happening on the ads themselves and thus informing you know, futuristic decisions on you know, how to optimize what color scheme, you know, what intro you start with. Um, and that's kind of where with now this data being passed back, this is where when you ask me where the company's headed in the next five years, um, you know, we're seeing this trend that you know, this data is going to be passed back for most platforms. And when that is complete, we'll be plugging that in um, to one of our systems so that we can uh, essentially allow a brand to upload all their brand assets, all their colors and backgrounds and logos and fonts and copy and characters, et cetera, um, and cre basically create these smart objects within the interactive unit and then allow folks to automatically optimize uh, their playables based on our system going through and figuring out, you know, what type of correlations there are between all their ads they're running, what color schemes are, you know, in trend or in season right now um, based on performance and what characters are getting the most clicks on the intro, the outro, and essentially just building a, uh, a, a concept or like a playable interactive template allowing all those pieces to be moving within the playable and interactive unit based on what the brand selects as their assets. And then based on 
performance data, swapping all those in and out auto, like automatically so that all the brand has to do is work with us to approve the concept and the idea, upload their assets, um, all their raw assets into our asset library, and then we'll handle all the swaps and optimizations to make the unit perform the best. So ideally, it's just like making the whole process very super efficient so that, you know, there's constant feedback coming in, which I think kind of gels in with what I think the ideal of the information age is, is to make the economy more and more information driven and, you know, super efficient. And I really like that. Uh, The next question is, you recently expanded your business to Europe. How did you manage to do that in a COVID hit economy? And what should entrepreneurs take care of most when entering a new market? Uh, Yep. So I would say the number one thing to know is know what you don't know. Um, And so when going into Europe, I didn't know anything about the business practices and laws out there. So we, we asked our legal team to connect us to someone and they made an intro uh, to a team out in, in the UK. Um, the team that I assembled out there, uh, I've known these folks, I'd say, if you ever are expanding into another geo, you want to get people in, um, in that area that are locals, that understand the culture, look and feel, even if they're both English-speaking countries, I think it, it definitely matters to have um, English people uh, working for your team in, in the UK. Um, and I, uh, the way we did it was we've been, I've been talking to a few of the, um, the team, team members that we assembled for years now. We kind of kicked things off as a friendship, kept the conversation alive, watched their careers grow and expand. And, you know, it was only a matter of time before, you know, sometimes you just meet people and you know you're going to work together with them at some point, And it's just about timing. When the time it made sense, I knew exactly who to call to kind of bring the team together. And then I relied on the few people I trusted over in the UK to essentially hire out the rest of the office. So I would say, you know, not just delegating to your team, but elevating them and saying, you know, these are areas I don't know about. You guys have a lot more experience here. I trust, um, you know, a few of the team members to make those decisions on who else we need there and how to hire and who, you know, they've worked with in the past that they like. I think culture is extremely important in any organization. We're very, uh, we're, Craftsman's very much a culture first type of company. And so we brought them on, we let them make the decisions on, you know, who do they want to bring in and why and trust into them that we're bringing together special people and a good team to go find success, you know, expanding, you know, not just across the US, but all of EMEA and eventually APAC. And where do you want to head after Europe? Is there a plan for that? Uh, Definitely, yeah. So I think um, I think China is a big market for us. Japan is probably one of our biggest markets. China, Japan, Korea. So um, you know, eventually we'll get local offices in all three. We'll probably start with one one office, maybe in um, in, in Singapore, and create a a hub out there, and then eventually get country managers for Japan, Korea, and China. All right. And how do you feel about the Forbes thirty under thirty achievement? Uh, I was surprised. So um, usually, usually those things are something that you kind of like hear about. It, it sounds like a fun goal that you want to do. I mean, my mom was always really encouraging and, you know, believed in me and had a lot of faith that, uh, you know, I would do something great in my life. She, um, you know, she raised me well and, and props to her for helping me get through school and everything she did for me. And, um, you know, it was my last year. Um, my advisor kind of threw my hat in the ring 
Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't really know anyone at Forbes. We kind of just, um, he, he sent over the referral. I, I spent probably more time on my Forbes application than I did my university applications, <laughs> if I'm being honest. And um, yeah, it was a huge shocker. I didn't, I didn't know when they announced. I woke up one morning and I got an Instagram message from a friend just saying, hey, congrats on Forbes at 7.01 a.m. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't, I checked my email. There was no notification. Um, and so I was like, maybe this is a mistake. This seems, you know, uh, unreal. Um, and then, you know, I, I Googled it and, you know, it was, it, was, it was definitely shocking. So I was, um, you know, very, very uh, appreciative and fortunate to, to make that list and then meeting a lot of great people through it. That's nice. <laughs> and the final question is, what would you be doing if not this? If not craftsman, if not craftsman, yeah. Um, I'd say I still like being. Um, I'm, I'm actually one of the, the weird ones that likes my my industry. I think I think ad tech in general uh, gets um gets a, a weird rep because you know we're, we're we're not really saving the world, and, and I'm and I and I recognize that at least at this point. Um, but I'd probably be doing something similar in the ad tech space. Um, maybe around more uh, machine learning and AI and really diving into a, a product along those two lines and figuring out how to apply it to um, the rest of the industry. I, I still like being close to gaming, so I'd probably stay in, in, in that realm. Um, and then long term, you know, I want to I want to encourage other founders and, and you know, in, inspire people. So long term is going to be more um, just helping uh, mass amounts of people get inspired and do things they thought they could ever do. That's what they say. Once an ad tech man, always an ad tech man. So that <laughs> is, uh, well, that's the end of the interview. Thanks everyone for joining us for this month's episode of Outgrows Market of the Month. That was Alex Marutka, who is the CEO and founder at Craftsman Plus. Do check out their website for more details. Thanks, Alex, for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Do check out their website and we'll see you once again next month with another Market of the Month.